please join me in our prayer for illumination. God of the universe, reveal to us in Holy Scripture through the writings of the prophets and the preaching of John the Baptist. You have called us to prepare our hearts for your visitation. Ready us now to hear your word and respond as faithful servants to the glory of Christ. Amen. The scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, and Luke 3, 1 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius Tetrarch of Albaline. During the high priesthood of Annas and Carpheus, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went to all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book, the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. everybody get a seat. I can't believe it. There's no room for me to sit. This is terrific. Ready to sit down? Everybody sit. Find a seat. <clears throat> Wonderful. Today is the second week of Advent. And what did we say last week Advent was? It's a waiting time for Jesus to be born because Christmas is at the end of the month. Okay, so today the word was, the word is there, love. That was in the scripture this morning, right? And, and Peter read it too when he did the Advent wreath with his parents. And where Pastor Tom is gonna have scripture. Let me find it. 
I have my little children's devotion. I found one just on that verse of the Bible. Philippians 1, verse 6. It's really important. I am sure that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on until it's completed. That will be on the day Christ Jesus returns. Did you know you're not the only one in the adventure of your life? This Christian life that we have? Jesus is in the life with you. He lives where? In your heart. He goes with you step by step through everything that happens to you. And he intends to bring everything to a right conclusion. Many times Christians are afraid of giving up their faith, believing in God. Or maybe they think because they sinned really bad or did something terrible, God's not going to love them anymore and he's going to kick them out. Or just maybe forget about them totally. But that can never happen. Ever. God, what? Holland, wait. God is with you always. All the stories we've been hearing from the Bible have been God's promises. He's not going to lose us. He is with us. He's got much more to lose than we do. In fact, he has so much more. If he loses one of his children, he has broken all of his promises. And God said he would never do that. And the stories we hear are promises he has always kept. So what do we have to remember? He won't lose any of us. And what are we to God? His children, right? Your mom and dad don't want to lose you because they love you. And God doesn't want to lose you either because he loves you so much. God sent a special gift. I know you're going to have gifts at Christmas, but God gave us a gift that is so, so, so special. Jesus, that's right. And we will be celebrating that to remember Jesus was a gift from God. Okay? So don't forget, God will always love you. He won't lose you because he promised you he would be with you always. God can see everything. So everybody sit down. We're going to pray. Okay? Fold your hands. Fold your hands, close your eyes. I praise you, God, that you promised you'll never lose me. Thank you for that promise because I needed to hear it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much and have a great Advent week. Thank you, Nancy, for that message. and. Uh, also, Michelle, thank you for reading that. Uh, there's some tough uh, names uh, in there, so I'm glad you were able to do that. So, uh, but it's good to be back with you once again and uh, on the second Sunday of the Advent season. And Advent is a time of preparing, of waiting, getting better prepared for the birth of Jesus into the world and into our lives. Now, Pastor Chris and Sarah, you were preparing for Caroline, right? 
she's already here, all right, and, uh, but think about the things that you had to get ready for. You know, it made me recall as a parent, and maybe some of you as grandparents or aunt or uncle, needs to be changes and adjustments to the usual household setup. Need to be ready to greet and relate with an infant. And from my experience, that is good, but there were some tough times. After Linda and Thomas got home from the hospital, you know, and read all these books, you know, on uh, parenting, that type of thing, it kind of went right through, and it's like, we don't have a nurse or nursing staff to kind of answer some of these questions. We called Linda's parents right away, you know, so right away. So, but a lot of changes, a lot of adjustments, and that is a time of Advent as well. I got into the room for a consistory where they meet for prayer, and uh, Deacon Mike said, I only have 10 minutes to speak, so uh, <laughs> I better speak fast than that. I usually talk fast anyway, so, uh, but uh, how about Christ's birth and Christmas? Making changes, being really open, more open to the message of God's love and grace and the sending of Christ Jesus into our world. Getting prepared, getting ready, serving God, worshiping the Lord, Jesus fulfilling his mission and exalted to the highest place. There's a verse from Psalm 143.8 that is a favorite of mine. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way where I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Now reflecting on that message of John the Baptist, is that one of bad news or good news? For some that was bad news, for many others, that was good news. Remember Isaiah's message from the prophecy. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. You know, our opening hymn was comfort, comfort. Think about those similar words of the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those words of comfort offer peace, security, and love. Comfort is such an important expression and reality in life. We have comfort foods, right? I have comfort foods. I don't know about you. And uh, this afternoon, Linda, our son Thomas, our niece, and uh, my sister-in-law are going to bake butter cookies. Oh, at Christmas time. I love those. Notice my name is in there. I'll be eating them in that, too. I'd say in each of the five cookies, there must be a, a stick of butter in that. But they're great, right? And that's one of the comfort foods. Maybe it's chocolate. You know, maybe it's uh, just certain meats and potatoes, uh, you know, things that mom used to make, uh, candies, snacks of different types. Those comfort foods which offer some help and perhaps some type of healing in tough situations which occur to all of us could be the death of a loved one or loved ones, losses or stresses of a job, relationship tension, a move geographically from where we've been living, financial losses among others. There are short-term and sometimes very short-term fixes of these comfort foods. But haven't you and I needed comfort? I think so many times. Grief and pain are lessened and made more manageable through comfort foods and through thoughtful acts. And it's even the thoughtful acts that really make a difference, I think. A word from Proverbs. A word aptly spoke is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I like that. A word aptly spoke is like apples of gold in settings of silver. 
and just being present with people. You know, that's a gift of comfort. I'm one of the chaplains at Cedar Crest, and uh, there's probably over 1,800 residents there and uh, over 1,000 staff. Uh, it's, it's a large, and I used to be great at names, uh, but I'm really kind of losing some of that with uh, aging and that. So, uh, but uh, this past week, I was visiting Anne, and, and she's from the Jewish faith, and uh, she was dying, and she was on oxygen. And uh, last two days uh, of her life, uh, I wanted just to sit with her, and it was hard to kind of just sit with her and hear what she wanted to say, and uh, talked with her husband uh, about that, and uh, she said, uh, the staff has been really great, and she really was very grateful and thankful, and one of the words that Anne was trying to say was, thank you, and just being present with someone, even though that can be very difficult, offering comfort. Back to the prophecy of Isaiah, we hear that God comforted those inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem centuries before the birth of Jesus to those residing in the region of Judah. They needed to hear those words, and we need to hear them as well. Our God is a comforting God, so much larger beyond what we're able to even fathom. He knows us intimately and loves us beyond our comprehension. You know, we light candles, and they can represent different things during Advent, but as reminders of uh, today it was love. You know, it could be peace, it could be hope, uh, it could be joy, other things too. But just a reminder, and the light often re represents Christ's presence, God's presence with us. You know, and God is always with us. Nancy, those were really apt words to, to say, not only to those younger, but to all of us. But what about hope? Something we need. The scripture speaks of this, and uh, Jesus came to witness to hope. Hope in God, to affirm God's love and grace, claiming his promises, the past, the present, and into the future. And to have a living hope that's transforming, sensitive to where we're at. And how do we need to have greater hope? How can we have that abiding hope, even when times are tough? As I get older, I like to reflect on life, especially my life, a little bit more. You know, things that have gone well, things that maybe haven't gone well, you know, changes that it could have made, sometimes regrets or whatever. And uh, um, I thought about this uh, recently, and uh, uh, 30 years ago, I came to uh, the East Coast. I was going to interview for a position at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital, as well as out on Long Island. There was another position, and uh, it was out in Islip. And uh, I was to take a bus out there, and uh, it didn't work out. You know, I was going to rent a car. That didn't work out. But I, I was going to take a bus to New Brunswick. I was living in Manhattan at the time. Or not living, but I was staying in Manhattan and uh, went to Port Authority. And I've been from Chicago. I'm from a big city, but I never realized how many buses there are in Port Authority. So anyway, I'm running late for an appointment in New Brunswick, and I'm trying to find out which bus goes to New Brunswick from Port Authority. I'm looking on the board and not seeing, you know, I'm seeing something in that, but not enough to really gauge where I need to go. So uh, I run over to a phone, I pick up the phone, it doesn't work. I put the phone, well, maybe I slammed the phone down. I went to another phone, got an operator on there, but it was so loud in the Port Authority, I, I couldn't hear. So I'm huffing and puffing and thinking, I'm not going to make it to this appointment. So I run over to a policeman. I said, officer, officer, can you help me? And he said, Slow down, young man. That was 30 years ago. And he uh, said, why don't you do what's on your lapel? And I looked. I had a suit that said, trust God. You know, just something simple. 
you know, that offers you, you know, trust God, rely on God, believe in God, even when things are not going the way that you want. And to be humble, too. Philippians 2, in the next chapter, uh, talks about Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. To be a Christian, Christ within us working out our salvation. Not that we earn our salvation, but it's by the grace of God. Okay, then we move on to the message of John the Baptist. We hear it not only at Advent, but also at the season of Lent. And guess who appears? It's John again. Calling out, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path. And Luke begins his advancement of John's mission and Jesus coming forth into the political and religious context and climate of that day. Michelle started reading, and in Luke's gospel, he talks about Tiberius, Caesar. He was the ruler of most of the known world. And then he talks about uh, the different leaders, the governors, and uh, some of Herod the Great's sons who were kind of leading the provinces. You notice Pontius Pilate is mentioned. I didn't know this. Uh, one of Herod's sons was not a good leader, so he was removed. I don't know if he was killed, but he was removed and Pontius Pilate was governor then of that Judea and a few other provinces. Then the king of all kings is mentioned. John the Baptist was a courier before to prepare the hearts of people to receive this Christ into their hearts. Usually when a king had a tour of the region, usually sent a courier in advance. And the king is coming, men not your roads, but your very lives. And John is out in the wilderness, in the desert. In the wilderness, a tough place to be. And John was a unique messenger, a cousin of Jesus, dressing in camel hair clothes, wearing a leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey as a diet. Ugh, okay, but anyway, he was out there, you know, and uh, you know, kind of a rough character, I would think, but very straightforward in his message. And people came. People came from miles and miles to listen. And John's message involved co confession, repentance, and then obedience. And he said uh, about the promised Messiah, I baptize you with water later on in that chapter of three, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His willowing fork is at his hand to clear the threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news. Good news to the people. Good news to the people. But being prepared, being prepared, and giving our lives more fully to God, it's really open. I don't know if I'm kind of pressing on something or, or what, so... Uh, Nancy, I really appreciate uh, children's messages, and I've been filling in at various Reformed churches and United Church of Christ over the past year and a half, and uh, a number of times you give the children's message. And, and just about a month ago, I was at a church in uh, Clifton, and uh, it was on, uh, the message was on, remember the widow who presented like the two little mites into the offering, and then there were others giving great amounts, and Jesus was there at the temple, and he said, that widow gave more 
than all the others. And you think, more? Those are just two little mites. They're not worth much. But she really gave us sacrificially. So anyway, I asked the kids to come forward, and I thought through this message. I wrote it out. And things don't always go the way that you plan. You, you know, so anyway, kids were up there in the front. There were a good group of kids there this morning in that. So I had had like a check that I usually give as offering. I gave some dollar bills and some coins, including two pennies. And so uh, I asked the, the children to, you know, to place the money into an offering plate. So it went from each one to each one. And the last one was little Garrett. Uh, he's like three and a half years old. I gave him like a dollar bill to put into the offering plate. He sat on it. He would not give it up. He would not give it up. And the kids are saying, Garrett, you got to put the money in the offering plate. No, no. And you know, finally he did. And, uh, but it, it reminded me that we're reluctant to give, of, not only monetarily, but to give our lives in a greater way to God's purposes. So uh, I'll be back there again. We'll see what happens. Uh, and you, you don't know. Kids are really unpredictable at times, right? Come on, you know that. So, But good news. Good news of Jesus coming to the world. You know, uh, the burdens that we have, the problems that we have, you know, not only individually, but as the world. The Holy Spirit coming to transform our lives. The gift that Emmanuel, which means, what's Emmanuel mean? God is with us, right? God is with us. God is present. We need to be reminded of that. Then in the book of Philippians that Michelle read, uh, you know, that verse that you focus on, being confident of this very thing, that God who has begun a good work in you, in me and others, will complete it. God isn't done working in each of our lives. And John the Baptist reminds us of that too. From the message uh, commentary by Donald English, he says, the place of John is a very important one too. John's place in God's larger plan is a lesson with broader implications for all of us. We live in an age where to begin, continue, and complete things is a dominating passion. Being in control of affairs is taken as a sign of achievement. The Christian knows better than that. The gospel is meant to make us truly broad-minded, viewing the whole of life against the canvas of God's eternal plans for us and for the world. Worship, week by week, seeks to remind us of that perspective, as ought our daily devotions and experiences of Christian fellowship. In a wider sweep of God's purposes, we learn to play our limited yet vital part. History is his. The universe is his. The mission to the world is his. We are most filled not when we seek fulfillment, but when we seek to find our proper place in his never-ending purposes for the world. We are both less and more important than we think. In that ongoing process, we belong to one another. That we do. We belong to one another. One of my favorite things, and I hope I'm able to do this again, and uh, Linda's out there too, is uh, I've mentioned this before, and I better stop walking into this mic too. It's a little annoying, right? Is hot air ballooning. I don't like heights. I don't know why I got up there before, but... You know, hot air ballooning, you, you see things from a, a different perspective. Some of people, like Cheryl, you would not get into that. You know, this was some years ago in San Diego. You could take it all around, and that doesn't have to be in California, but uh, it was a beautiful day years ago. This is before Thomas's birth. I think we were dating even, so we go way back. 
And uh, so you have a chance to get there early. And uh, with supervision, you know, kind of the balloon is inflated and the basket. And the, the basket is really not that large. I'd say uh, maybe four or five, well, maybe four sizes of the altar there. And uh, there are like eight of us. And then the pilot. Okay, so uh, we finally get the, the balloon inflated and we're ready to go. And, uh, you know, you get in there and it up, up, you know, he kind of stokes it and you got the air going in. It's beautiful. We go over a golf course, which I love golf. You can see the golfers, you can see the golf ball, and then you go up, 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 maybe like 3,000 feet, which is a lot, you know. And uh, the basket only goes like that. And I'm looking over and I'm thinking, oh, man. And so they bring out like appetizer type things, they bring out carrots celery, you know, I think crackers, and then they had apple cider, and then they had champagne, which is fine. But when the pilot was drinking champagne, I had a problem, you know, so uh, he's the early only pilot in that. So, but uh, we did get down. We had to make an emergency landing, but you see things from a different perspective. You know, whether God is up there or whatever, God sees things beyond what we're able to see. And sometimes you need to look things at a different angle. You need other people. That's why we need the Christian uh, church and people. We, we need to see things from different avenues. Because sometimes we only see things in a very limited way with our eyes. And we need to perceive things not only with our eyes, but with our hearts as well. In closing, uh, I don't know if it's 10 minutes yet. I think it's probably more. Oh, okay, all right. So, On Friday, I was meeting with a friend of mine, a resident of Cedar Crest, and uh, Monsignor... Father Ken Lash. He's retired, but he still preaches. He's really a great, uh, great person. We've gotten a friendship over these months, and we've done some ministry together. And uh, he just came out with a book. And so he gave me a book. We were meeting for coffee, and it's called Winter Souls, S-O-U-L-S, just Reflections on Light and Darkness in a Season of Grace. I thought that was very appropriate, and uh, I'd like to read just one excerpt season of adventure. And again, the word advent is in the word adventure, too. And that's what we're on. And he says, uh, blue is the color of advent. Well, it's also purple, too. I didn't want to say anything. But we wait not for the sun, S-U-N, but we wait for the sun, capital S-O-N. And the world is not quite as respectful of the earth. There is hardly a calm except before that of the storm. There is so much to do and so little time to do it. Right? But do what? Go to work, go to school, invest time, make money, build a church or a tower of Babel, make a list, shop for gifts, trim a tree. Blue for hope, or is it blue for the blues? A voice cries out in the desert, make ready the way of the Lord. Clear him a straight path. Clear him a straight path. How can we hear his voice? unless we, like the earth, respect the dawn of his coming with calm, take time, take a breath, be at peace, all will be well. Take time, take a breath, be at peace, all will be well. Not exactly what I want at times, maybe, but all will be well. So let's us continue to prepare to get ready, to be on watch alert, and to wait as we prepare again for the birth of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, Jesus' life within us. Yes, it's John again. Thanks be to God. Let's close with a prayer together. 
God, that message that uh, John spoke centuries ago is a vital one, one that we need to hear not only at Advent and at Lent, but every day, to really get ourselves ready, to be open to your spirit, to be open to the changes. Mountains become valleys, radical changes. We can see that geographically, but also that has to happen in our lives and in the world. So thank you, God, for reminders of uh, the birth of Jesus again as we prepare for his coming. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. For those who are able, let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Saying together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.